0: Hello and welcome to Dance Talks. Today is May 16th, 2020, and my guest is Christina Katsoudas. Christina is a teacher of Middle Eastern dance and culture. She has a master's degree in cross-cultural studies with a concentration in Middle Eastern culture from University of Houston, Clear Lake. She's a five-time recipient of an Individual Artist Award from the Houston Arts Alliance. She also won the Choreography Award from Houston Press's 100 Best. This conversation is a follow-up on a previous episode we aired on May 16th, 2020. So if you haven't heard that episode, you want to pause here and go catch up. We're going to jump right in.
1: So the good part of me in dance, it was always in my family. And we grew up where everyone in the family danced and it was just something you did. And whoop, there you go. Video's off. Why are you doing that with video? Um, it was just something you did. And we always had parties and we always danced at parties and we danced at weddings and we danced at other people's houses. And it was, yeah, my big fat Greek wedding kind of my mom would dance alone when she was happy and when she was sad. And I grew up watching her. I think she was the greatest influence because it was a way for her to to cope, to to re renew or restore she would use it as a place, kind of like a freedom, play music and merge with the music and come out of that experience in those moments, feeling a different person than when you went in. So it was really important to her. And I think it became like that for me. And um, it was great. I mean, I remember weddings where we had like thousands of people and we were all dancing together and we were all related to one another. So it was It was a really amazing experience to write it was just so amazing to be related to everybody dancing and everyone was accepted young old you know grumpy smelly stinky grouchy and happy and the ones that pinched your cheeks and the ones that would say stupid jokes and and then those cousins that you'd get hit for saying wow they're pretty good looking and they're like no that's your cousin you can't date him like you know it's like it was great it was a great experience and and so so that was pretty wonderful about dance in our family but you know i i don't know to go i can go two directions but with this so then i started to later i discovered dance and actually i'm the baby of my generation and so um my family meant everything. I don't have brothers and sisters. My parents divorced when I was young and we would just continue to go back to like the family home and the family compound every summer, every year, several times a year actually. And we would all come back, all the sisters, all the brothers, all the extended family would gather in the same place. And then I'm the baby and then they like, the next generations grew up and then they stopped coming back and everybody stopped returning. And I just was devastated and I didn't know this, but later when I rediscovered dance, that I rediscovered not only the physical practice of it, but then reconnecting with an entire community where you were welcomed and you belonged, and you belonged in a way that made you happy and that you made other people happy and you got paid to do it. And it was just like a great thing all the way around. Like, why would I ever leave this? Like this is this is it, this is what I found in life. But it was never my family, really. I mean, I I became part of that culture and I learned, I learned not only dance, but the extended things, the food and the customs and the traditions around it and the experiences, spiritual aspects of it, um, and just became a part of this huge family, but it never, but, but it not, it wasn't my family, but it wasn't really my family, like after a while Other things started to happen. The dance community couldn't sustain itself, for example, and it started to fall apart. And then there was no more place for people to come back to. And I lost my family. And then I was kind of back in the same place. And then I would find another form of dance. And um, each one kind of gave me something new. And one time, the the next one was uh, East Indian classical dance. And I just was overwhelmed and blown away by how beautiful it was. And the one thing that was missing that really bothered me about Middle Eastern dance was where we performed, because there was no real place for dance in Middle Eastern culture. We had to perform either at somebody's 50th birthday party or we performed at a nightclub. And after a while, it it wasn't the way that I was experiencing the dance and I wasn't getting appreciated, I feel, or heard or received the way that dance was for me. And it wasn't just, it's not a sexual experience for me. It's an expression of joy and an expression of beauty and creativity. And we don't get that, we don't get that response. And um, in those places, and when I saw Classical East Indian dance, and actually I saw it in a some dance studio that had a, a show, right? And somebody came and shared their temple dancing with me. And I was just blown away. I said, I wanna do that. And I just went and found, an amazing instructor who I think you have interviewed on this show, Ratna Kumar, and she was very generous because I was older than most dancers were to begin studying that dance form. I was 18 or 19 and I just was like, oh, I've got to do this, please. And so she started me with a basic baby dance and I started learning with the six-year-olds and, you know, but it was great. I mean, of course I could learn faster than that because I had had previous dance training and I was older and more and had together, But it still took a long time and it was an amazing dance form and the opportunity to dance at temple and to be a part of something that was, that felt amazing. And it was also huge and terrifying, like a terrific responsibility to be um, performing another person's culture that was so meaningful and so like, so, so powerful. And the practice of it alone was a dance discipline, kind of like martial arts or yoga. It was, alone was a practice much less to try to share it with other people and do justice to your teacher and to the tradition. It was it was really quite overwhelming and, but it was something um, fantastic and, and it became more than just the dance again. Like I started going to temple with my teachers and I started participating in ceremonies and festivals outside of just dance and participating and learning about the culture and the costume, the, 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 the dress and the tradition see I started to call it a costume but it's not it's a dress and a tradition beyond it and started to learn about the history and it was just fantastic and then I don't know I like this the further and further I went and the deeper and deeper I went into it I realized that this deserved nothing less than complete and utter commitment if I were to carry it forward and I realized in the depths of my soul that as much as I adored it and loved it it wasn't who I was it wasn't my culture and I had to do to do my teacher justice and to do the form justice i felt like i needed to give a complete commitment which i couldn't so i left and then of course it happened again like i would find another community trying to recreate that family and that whole thing again and again and again and each one of them it's like a language another language you know you, there's some beauty in a way that you can express yourself emotionally and physically that you can't do in any of the others and i feel that's just such a really, I mean, it's amazing that that's what you're doing, Andrew. When you share those cultures with other people, they get to see themselves through that lens and have that opportunity which is really disappearing in this day and age to find that true tradition. It's so hard to sustain because the the life of the people that sustain that dance, that sustain that tradition, is altering altering considerably in this day and age. You know, no longer do people plow by hand and walk to the well to get water and, you know, have to pass by their beloved at working in the fields like that doesn't have anymore. It's all over Insta, you know, it's all over the internet and That changes, it changes your body of history, it changes the way you relate, it changes the way you move physically, you know, there are wars, there's been, and that all changes how you are physically there's oppression and colonial, I mean, all of that changes and so it's a, it's it's amazing when people can hang on to that tradition and it empowers us to link back to our ancestors and and, and that more powerful way of moving. So all of that is, you know, that's what I've been doing and I've, I've come back around in some North African dance, which I feel is really close to my own culture in many ways. Greece and North Africa and much of ancient history were you know, shared. There's a lot of trade, and there was a lot of movement between people. There were similar uh, worships and a uh, worship, and and even prior to to that era. And I feel closer to that, but I still don't feel yet that I found what really fits my skin, which is kind of exciting. Maybe I'm on the verge of like defining that for myself and and whatever. But the not so good part of being a part of Middle Eastern dance or North African is that there is no place for that's the problem. That's part of the reason why I kept going in all these other cultures is there's no place for Middle Eastern dance in our culture, except commercially right like I talked about there's no Yes, I've, I've striven with my career to put it in the theaters and I've been blessed with opportunities to do that or into to more respectful performing art spaces like museums and Public libraries and to share it with children in schools and, and share it as a cultural performing art. It's very hard to do that, but in some ways, it doesn't belong there either because it's a it's a people's dance. It belongs in our it belongs in the home. It belongs in the community. It belongs, and it doesn't have a place anymore. And it's really sad. Like, I wish it would have a place again. It's not, you know, even when I finished my graduate degree in Egypt and um, I looked for dance there and I couldn't find it. It wasn't not even ballet. It wasn't even visible. And I looked for you know, there was belly dancing on the cruise ships on the Nile and maybe in some ballroom, but you had to really look for it. And it was not, there were no sign shops out there going Middle Eastern dance school, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there was no dance school. So, and that was, of course, that was over 10 years ago, but still, I mean, I, I don't know if things have really improved. Um, so it's sad. And I know for myself, I, I'll say two things about, I read the, the UN economic report, the Arab states had put out and issued a report from the UN on Arab culture, arts and culture, and dance wasn't even listed as an art there. It wasn't even under folklore, and this was in 2006 or 2005 when I did my graduate work. It wasn't even listed. So maybe it has changed recently, and I hope they're starting to claim it on that level, but I mean, I'll just explain to you that, I mean, yes people know belly dancing but those belly dancers that have become famous had to sacrifice a lot to get there and they still have a man behind them protecting them supporting them financially and protecting their reputation and the only time you receive that respect is when you make it like a mega superstar you have to be a film star you have to be on the scale of an international star otherwise it's extraordinarily difficult and there's still not really that latent respect you're kind of given that Oh, you're a dancer, you know, that's what you do. Meaning, not even a professional dancer or artist like a stripper or someone who works as a prostitute. And sadly enough, my own father, who was raised in Egypt, um, born and raised in Egypt, and that's how everything got in my family, that's how he viewed it. And actually, when he found out I was a professional dancer and I started teaching at 16, I had started dancing at 14. And performing at 16, and I think it was when I was 18, I got an official letter saying he had disowned me because of that, like amongst other reasons. So we didn't talk about it. I mean, he got over it. I know that that you know that's what a dad does, but it was very hurtful, and I'm, and I'm sure that. I'm I'm not the only one, there are worse cases where dancers in Egypt, if you look at the documentary, the dancers of Cairo, dancers who would get abused, like as soon as their family find out, they'd put cigarettes out on the dancers or they'd check them out of the house and say, that's it, you're on your own. And all they did was study dance. So I don't, I know like that's, there's, there's this, so it's been so divorced from its spirit that it is because it's such an inherently spiritual art form and that it embodies not, not the consumption part of sexuality, but the real life-giving part of sexuality, the real joyfulness and the fertility like that's in flamenco, that's in African dance, it's in all these beautiful forms. That is what is so threatening, I think, about it. And I think that's why it's gotten divorced from it. And my hope is that one day it returns you know, to it. So. That's that's my thing. But I mean, we've all suffered for it, right? I mean, what is that? You have to suffer for your art or something, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean- So you
0: mentioned that you think that the dance should really, it's a thing of the home, it happens in the home. Yeah. And on April 25th, 2020, we had a dance marathon and you provided (laughs) three hours of programming where you led us in our home from your home to our home through various regional dances it was a blast
1: Um, how did you feel about it you know i mean i felt great but it was it was one of the hardest performances i think i've ever done because people weren't gathered around so my personal experience was i felt like i'd have to magnify my energy 10 times I was trying to reach through everybody's computer to reach their heart and kind of turned it up like 50 50 times the volume i would normally do probably in a theater where i could easily feel the presence much more easily for some reason it was more challenging i don't know why and it was just oh like ah. Oh. They, you have all this great energy build up and you want to hug people and you want that energy to just rebound. And instead it was just like, I'm alone in my house. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I'm not alone, but I'm alone, but I'm not alone, but I'm alone, but I'm not alone. And it's so weird. So, huh? It's just a weird, I don't know. I'm trying to describe to you the, the experience, but it was, great. Cool. I mean, and I, and I appreciate the opportunity because otherwise people might never have, right? gotten to see it maybe it great something, right. something different I mean I'm definitely grateful for zoom and the internet now because actually it's brought out my students are starting to come back like great all my students are like now spread out across the country and now I'm getting California Georgia you know Michigan Seattle where else are they Utah um, oh maybe, wow yeah they're coming back from all over and and in Houston and partly because it's so difficult you know Houston's so big by the time they finish work and if they have to drive somewhere to get to class it would take them an extra hour but now they can just stay at home and switch a channel shove their kid in another room <laughs> right. more time
0: for yeah. dance
1: more time for dance yeah yes. a good thing yeah so
0: your class i mean it wasn't just a class it was a performance demonstration and follow along yeah. Um, very detailed. I mean, I learned so much, and I uh, got a good workout, too. Uh, it was the one class that my little four-year-old really gravitated to, Oh, he loved it. it, he was really excited about it, and then he, he stepped up right when you showed us how to do tricks with the scarf, and you were like, if you have a partner, you can put the scarf over your partner, you know, and right, right. kind of like that and so uh, we ended up doing that where he would tuck his arms over and fly around and then he would (laughs) put the scarf over my head and hang from my neck and fly around and this is like our new favorite thing to do so (laughs) rebounding (laughs) you're getting that reverberation i posted a a video on facebook of us doing it i think it's just going to take a while for this uh feedback and appreciation you know
1: to come back to you but well, we thank you. Th- sure I appreciate that well no I felt like I had to give a little introduction because I didn't think like you're like what is this thing and like you don't have time to google it right then and like go okay watching video on YouTube wait do I like it or not like here I'll just demonstrate it you can see it and then if you want to keep dancing then here let me give you some history I feel it's important to kind of know some of that I don't know it's 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 it kind of gives it a different context and experience anyway i liked it so but i'm glad you did i'm glad it was meaningful yeah it should be fun i mean it should be fun i mean it shouldn't be stressful like i don't know sometimes i was when i first started to dance the, the more challenging and the more complex movements you could give to me the more like i ate them up and as i've gotten and then there came a point where i just abandoned all that and i went you know I just want, I forgot, you know, I stopped being fun anymore. And it's like, you know, dance doesn't have to be complex to be fun and to be meaningful. In fact, it's even, I was told by a really, someone as a dance teacher that I really revere, um, Alela Gamal, that sometimes the simplest dances are the ones that just penetrate your heart the most. And like, you'll remember them. And 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 it's, um, you know, that's that's critical of cultural dance that, You know, people dismiss it. Oh, it's easy. Well, yeah, it's supposed to be easy because there's supposed to be a lot of people dancing it. And the hard part is keeping all those people together. And, you know, as someone who has to coordinate moving parts to a show, like getting them to do all the same thing at the same or at the right time at the same place and have that moving as one person. And that's what that's why we all dance to be, you know we're not alone you know we're we're part of something bigger than ourselves and we can we can experience that with another person we can experience it with many people and have and be ourselves and and in fact yeah that's what's different about cultural dance too that the the folk movements are often basic and then one person gets the opportunity to lead and then the rest of the group will support them and then that person will step back and then another person will solo with the support of the group and then another person will, and then they'll step back and another person will solo. So there's always that support. It's it's kind of a metaphor for being in community. And I don't know, I just, I mean, it doesn't have to, like I said, it doesn't have to be hard to be beautiful or to be, to be appreciated. And our lives are so stressful already. Do we really need complexity right now? I mean, right. right. I don't know, but I'm glad that you like them. <laughs> Yeah, dance should be fun. Some of those games have actually, um, in Greece, some of the games like you were mentioning with a scarf and everything, we have children's games that actually were rituals from old ancient dances that got turned into like kids games and stuff that I'm learning about. So yeah, it's pretty fun. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, that was a blast. The marathon was a blast. I was pretty exhausted. I can't believe I used to do three kickboxing classes back to back and I used to teach them. I was like, oh my God.
0: You did a lot and it was really fast.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, that's what the, actually the dance forms are fast. That's Mm -hmm. yeah. That's just the thing. It's pretty high powered. Yeah. My students right now are just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Is this what we have to do for an hour? I said, see? I said, we just have to do this like all day long. You don't need a gym. You just dance and you just have mm-hmm. fun. So yeah, um, we did Algerian Kabil, Tunisian Bedouin, and Moroccan Shehat or the, uh, yeah, dance. So.
0: I loved hearing the different music throughout the day. Not only from you, yeah, yeah. but- African music and samba and just every time I turned on the marathon, I was taken somewhere else. It was really fun.
1: Didn't you have somebody at like one o'clock in the morning do Filipino um, dance? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's, I wish I had made that one. He was from Mozambique. Mozambique. Mm-hmm. And, and there was mm-hmm. another one. Yeah. That's so amazing. See, and like about yeah. the internet, like Although it's kind of weird to have dance on the internet, like it's not exactly the definition, but it's amazing that you connect with people in live time on the other side of the world. Like that's amazing. Right. I mean, to think that somebody was in Mozambique and we could see them in Houston is crazy to me. Like.
0: Yeah, his connection wasn't quite strong enough. So a friend in Paris uh, patched him in on WhatsApp and held his phone up to uh, oh, that's
1: Amazing.
0: So it was like a picture of pictures going on. Uh, but you know, we don't wanna leave anybody out and you know, <laughs> whatever it takes. So what we did for the dance marathon, just for our listeners to know was we hosted 24 hours straight. Uh, each hour was led by a different dancer. Um, lots of different styles. It wasn't like we were filling in blanks. It was just whoever wanted to do it. And then, um, It was all in Central Daylight Time, so that was our time in Houston, and it was just on April 25th. Um, What's coming up, there's going to be a celebration of Frankie Manning's birthday on Tuesday, May 26th. They're going to do a Shim Sham Relay, and this is the Frankie Manning Foundation, and what's fun about this is they're doing it at 8 o'clock your time, whatever your time is. You do the dance, you post it with your hashtag ShimSham Relay and hashtag happy birthday Frankie Manning. And so as the globe turns, it will this relay will wave, you know, from from one time zone to the next. So that's gonna be really fun to watch too.
1: That's gonna be fun. So what is Shimsham? It's that- a tap dance. Tap tap. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was um, created by Leonard Reed and his uh, teammate in uh, 1932 and it became just like a one of those things you do at the end of a tap show, like everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. And then the Lindy Hop community will always do it like once a night. It's a line dance. It's
1: going to be fun. That's going to yeah. be so fun. That's going to be so fun. Yeah.
0: It's just, it's nice to see into people's lives and to get that intimacy with them. And it's, um, you know, when we talked last time about going to the Middle East and how you don't really see dance because it's in the homes. I mean, this is a whole new genre. It's a whole new experience where I didn't have to, if I went there, I couldn't get in because I wouldn't know you. Right. Um, And if I stay in my home, but we somehow connect, I end up, inside your home (laughs) right did not see that coming but it's really cool and you get to see a whole new side of people's culture and lives that you know you don't you don't see when you travel
1: right right yeah it's um it does feel weird like i i don't know i know that everything is back to normal like in our city, but I don't know, I'm not comfortable yet. I'm not comfortable renormalizing normalizing now. So, and I still don't feel, I don't think things are over, but I don't think it's time to like, I think we, did we talk about that last time? I mean, a big theater performance just doesn't seem like performing or having big shows just doesn't seem like the thing to do right now. I just, yeah. I can't imagine. I appreciate it when I see all the podcasts that are coming out on YouTube from people's homes and they're still trying to do their daily show or whatever. And it's just informal and it's, yeah, because I mean, there's nothing else to do and it it doesn't with so much happening in the world and so much tragedy that it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem right. Yeah. And it's good, you know, so maybe some good things are coming out of it. I mean, about returning dance to its grassroots. And I hear people are thinking about returning to work from home more, maybe dance will go back to being more of a thing that's included in life. I think when dance stops becoming part of our lives, we've really, I know there's this movement that says that dance isn't really, I don't know, there's this new movement that became part of, is it postmodern maybe? The thing about culture not being related to a body Like, I just can't, I can't grasp, like, I know technically and intellectually what they're saying, but culture is always related to a body, whether it's, I mean, even when you say, well, the culture of age, well, it's still related to a physical attribute, you know, it's always related to body and always geographic and I don't know, I guess I'm going on because when you don't relate dance to home or you don't relate it to a culture and stop making it about us. I don't know. I think We've lost something there. <laughs> We've lost something. So I'm really glad to see it coming back. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. And it doesn't have to be hard, right? Like it just doesn't have to be hard. I mean, or perfect. Or perfect, right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: What you said about now being kind of not a good time for dance reminds me of the era of World War Two and in 1944 the federal government imposed a federal excise tax on ballrooms and it was 30 percent i can't imagine how much ballrooms were profiting at that time but i would imagine maybe not even 30 percent right so um as you know so many men were drafted and off fighting um what the culture did here was the ballroom managers just filled in the dance floor with tables and chairs. They put up no dancing signs. And I heard from Norma Miller that Charlie Parker just walked out on stage solo, turned to face the no dancing sign back to the audience and out came cool jazz. Yeah. And it's like, we don't want people to dance. And if you dance, you're out of here. And so the culture changed so much. And you know, it just wasn't a time for dance. It's like, it makes sense too, that there was like a little bit of more, I don't know, just contemplative and relaxing um, sounds. And uh, you know, maybe you were maybe you were kind of grooving a little bit, but you know, it wasn't the same, um, ex- life wasn't the same by 1944 mm-hmm. then in 1926, when the first ballroom opened. It just wasn't the same spirit, you know, there wasn't, it had gone from Renaissance to World War. And um, that, there's, you know, we talked about the tax last time we spoke and how it kind of still lingers in licensing fees. But I think, you know, I just think that that the whole culture of like learning dance and performing it on the stage um, developed in, I don't know if it was in that absence, but um, kind of as a counterpoint, like it didn't, it was no longer happening socially. And it ended up being something you study and you get so good at it, you can perform it.
1: Right, becomes a profession, segregation as a as a specialized task rather than something that everybody does yeah right right and that is exactly as society developed and got more highly I mean it was tied into all of the developments happening in industry and happening in um, right the wars were a part of that that broke everything down certainly was making emotional stress and then it amped up the industry even more because during war Right, mechanization and all the planes and ammunitions and all that. So definitely, that had an effect. Um, yeah, and it became highly, highly specialized, right? And it, but if you look and if you look at the content of the dance too, I mean, we were taught this in history, right? And I'm sure you remember taking all those courses where it went from highly structured story dances and story ballets maybe at the turn of the century and then it became you know those dances became more and more abstract if you look at the history of ballet and less and less about the principal male and female dancer in the corps, corps de ballet expressing this narrative and then there suddenly was no narrative and suddenly there weren't even male female dancers just you know could be just male or just female or all male or all female and um And then on a social level right it stopped being we had the social dancing but then the social dancing started breaking down right and it stopped ballroom dancing stopped being a thing and then we had individual dances in the 60s right with the watusi and the mashed potato and everybody was dancing together still but they weren't connected as partners and then from that we went into disco where we got back our partners but then from that it started going into hip-hop right and and rap and then we started having like the slam dancing and the and the it started to get more and more violent, right? Like it's started of the trance dancing and, and all of that. And, and now it's still very, we haven't really gotten back right to that partner and that group dancing, unless you're part of a culture maybe, but um, the effect of the wars and the effect of all, you know, Vietnam and all that. Yeah, definitely had that.
0: And now what I'm seeing at the parks are social distancing um, dance practices.
1: Interesting, okay.
0: Yeah, so little groups spread out. I mean, they're gonna be right alongside, you know, people who are running up and down the hill with their trainer all spread out. Oh, right. And everybody just, you know, the new formation is uh, at least six feet apart.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Unless you wear a body glove, right? Have you seen those body gloves?
0: No, I was thinking about scuba gear and then I was like, mm, too heavy astronaut here too heavy
1: <laughs> no they've taken like a shower curtain liner and then uh-huh. like they cut out like and they attach like gloves like to the shower curtains so you could actually put your hands in the gloves and then you hug someone through like you dance with them through the shower curtain liner it's pretty funny anyway but <laughs> <laughs> i mean i wanted to say i didn't mean to say that it isn't time to dance because there, just to, to re-clarify that, yeah, there's, there should be a time for grief, like, like the grieving period, sh- like people want sometimes, like understandably so, to pass over that part because it isn't pleasant, but you can't, there's in all, in, actually in um, Dogon culture, in West African culture, they have a period when people have died that there's this, that they have these grieving ceremonies but there are those individuals that are like the clowns or the jokers that kind of lighten things up and they have to be there to give the joy, to make sure that things don't get so heavy that they sink. Like they want to make sure that the grief moves along and that, and then when that's all done, then it's done and gone. The time for that is over. And then the the celebrations can begin again. Um, and there's but there's there's a time and place for everything in that ceremony. And there's a time when the jokers, the jokers always go around to make sure that people don't sink under the weight of the grief, but they have to allow people to grieve, right and 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 then but our part is, yes, we also have to dance. We can't sink in that. We we have to get up and there's a Sufi saying that dancing isn't always rising from the ground gracefully. It's you know tearing your heart to pieces and rising from the ashes, and there's a beautiful scene in a movie by Tony Gatlif. Those of you, I don't in the cultural world he was revered because he made a beautiful kind of documentary about dance and music, and on the Romani trail and the development of dance has its influence from India through Egypt, through. Um, uh, through back through Romania and then across into Spain um, and how the Romani people the traveling people often called gypsies you know had an influence on all the different cultures cultural traditions he oh yeah Turkey was also covered anyway he made a movie especially about the Romani people and he showed this one scene and the reason why there's this one scene where a, a gentleman finds out that his best friend has died and it shows with tears coming out of his eyes, and his his son plays music on the violin, and he's singing and dancing on the grave. And and that's what we have, you know, there's this, he pours him a glass of his favorite whiskey, and he lights, you know, the man who has passed on, he lights some cigarettes for him and puts them in the dirt and pours a drink into the dirt for him. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then he starts, his with tears just pouring down his face, he starts dancing on the grave, and it's one of the most beautiful scenes and it's anyone who's kind of had those moments knows how hard that is you know to do that you but you have to do that because you know the soul that's passed on is no longer in pain it's we that you know we're just there's a time and place for everything we have to move and transform that life and we i think we do that as dancers we do that for people Think it's a really powerful role that we remind people that they can move and grow like that's the thing about dance like okay yeah we made this movement now maybe it wasn't so good but we can make then another one in the next moment and another one in the next moment and it can just yeah okay we can just make another one and it's that that moment that uncertainty we live with uncertainty all the time there's a blank space the empty space the empty canvas and we just keep moving through it and each time it can be the same or it can be different. And it is what it is, right? Like you said, it doesn't have to be perfect, it just has to be real
0: and real from what we are. So yeah. I remember the postmodern definition was that dance was movement through space and time. And when you're really in the moment, you're you are going from that moment to the next moment. So so much of performing is all op- dance is often like going over the same move not to say you're not refining it but it's like you know you've got to learn it and you got to get it uh almost like you're a part of the assembly right and it's not coming just out of the blue and with going with the flow um and the way you're describing cultural dance is um you know it's just it's just different it's um it's like in the present.
1: Right. It's so I would equate it to learning how to how to, to write when or like how to use the, the computer, right? Like there's a period of time you spend learning the keyboard and where your fingers should go and then after a while you master where your fingers go and you no longer think about what you're typing but what you actually have to type. And that yeah. and that's where um, at least my personal aesthetic like I, I was caught up for a while in just mastering the typing and and that and or or playing an instrument is the same way right like we can always refine that but at some point you have to just stop and go okay what do I want to say with this and and that is what I feel and no one everyone had that's the beauty of it everybody has something unique to say like you don't have to be a masterful typist, you know, but you do have to be, I think everyone has that artist inside, I have that saying, it isn't that every artist was a special kind of man, but every man was a special kind of artist. And Mm -hmm. that spirit, right, to come out, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And right, and in the group, people were comfortable with just, they had that basic, they had the keyboard down, like we all knew the same words, and we would say that, but then, what somebody would do at the beginning they would say their piece and then you know that would be supported and then move on yeah it's a great experience uh...
0: when we talk about postmodernism coming out of the war and you know persisting to today as almost a cultural dance i mean it's it's done um by people who are members of a culture uh whether they're from North America or Asia or wherever, they can they can dance like that. And I'm not saying it's all prescriptive. I understand there's like people who do it improvisationally too. Um, what I see as kind of what's now, uh, when I think about, is it time for dance? Um, I think we've been, experienced so much globalization. And so this idea of cultural dance has really come out of, you know, the technology and um, not just with, um, computers and devices, but I mean, airplanes too. just being able to, um, for the most part, experience world peace and travel and, um, and then just being able to see. And now that we're at this point, um, where we've gotten a glimpse of what it's like to share with people, through google meet and zoom uh, where will we go with that um, you can you can keep exploring those cultures and um, i feel like that context is really enticing to me because it's uh i mean not only is the commute fantastic compared to having to get on a plane um it's affordable um, but also It's comfortable to be home, and I'm. I I appreciate that you had to learn the customs and the greetings, and the cuisine. When you explore different cultures, Uh, that also I feel like can be um, a bit puzzling or intimidating. It's like not just to say I'm going to go to a, a foreign culture's dance class, like across town. It's like going to a dance class, period. Like I don't know what it is. It's always. It's not like you just go to the gym, you know, and everybody's just at the gym. It's like, no, there's going to be hand signs and a way to do things. And I don't know what to wear. And, you know, right. knowing that kind of stuff in advance by looking at, you know, a website and pictures and you're like, oh, okay, this is what that, that's what that's, this group is going to be like. So, you know, you can kind of prep yourself a little bit, um, But yeah, I think we're on the verge of just so much more uh, cross-pollination and sharing.
1: Yeah. It's so funny because absolutely. And it's so funny. I mean, so every form that I've studied, the one thing that comes to mind about that is that it's, I see it going as a direction, maybe both ways, where people come up with their own individual interpretation or understanding, either personal voice, if you will, of something. But I hope also people can collectively come together, and that that tradition of dance somehow remains. Uh, new traditions can be born with that, or or old ones just maintained and you know expanded, perhaps like. Lindy Hop will become the new you know cultural dance of the US or you know swing dance you know on a wide scale salsa perhaps i mean because it's there is something really awesome when everybody you know it's it's wonderful to see individual expression and that cuz that you know and then that would rebound into the culture right like hopefully mm-hmm. it will like you say cross pollinate because one thing You know, people don't realize in cultural dance, I kind of tried to talk about that, that it was formed like the cultural arts were formed in a specific region over a specific body of land and that those rhythms of the music are from the rhythms of the people actually living and working in that land and that You know, those rhythms are encoded in that music, their footsteps are encoded, you know, the the musical instruments were made from the trees or from the animals that were living on that particular part of the land and that they create this voice literally of those people and the dress that people wear is again harvested from the plant you know the colors or from the dyes or from the animal you know everything is fashioned from the land which is actually no longer happening right because now we have products made and shipped from all over and in some cases they're improvements i mean you know certainly drum heads made of plastic never have to depend on the humidity and on the heat of the thing to have the tone and you have to hold them over a fire but at the same time you also lose a particular tone and the particular quality of the sound that had from Mm -hmm. that natural thing so you know there's value to both and I'm saying that because it will inevitably change, and I I do feel a sadness and a loss, and I just, I hope that, I hope in some way, I know that this COVID, I'm coming back around to that in some way, I hope, because those took thousands of years, I mean, thousands and hundreds of years to develop those traditions, you know, it took a very long time, and that overnight they can be lost you know all it takes is the decimation of a village or the wiping out you know and you're done like maybe you have no more people that keep that tradition alive entire species are disappearing and so it would be a great loss part of me i my heart just i love those traditions at the same time we need to i know they need to be relevant you know they need to to be relevant to our modern age and i i don't you know, perhaps those that can maintain that, whatever that is, keep that message alive, but maybe in the new language, maybe that's how they'll survive. Like, I don't know how to explain what I'm I'm trying to say because you don't want to, part of what's difficult about the cultural, I don't know if we talked about this at all, but certainly the practices and the institutions that teach cultural art, like I know for a fact, music and dance, like in India and, um, we don't have those institutions that I know of in the Middle East. It's always been a private thing, um, but the dance schools and everything, and and certainly martial arts. And I don't it, in the Far East and in, in India that it's not exactly always the easiest experience. Um, meaning, not only physically challenging, possibly to the point of a, of what we might call abuse today. You know, like it's very challenging, like abuse of authority, abuse, physical exhaustion, emotional exhaustion um, from the process, not exactly the healthiest way to learn, um, practices that might actually damage the physical body because of the, the the impact of the body on certain materials where you rehearse and where you practice. So all those things hopefully will improve. I mean, I'm just saying that like, There are things that need changing and need changing from western influence i'm trying to say that not everything is peachy dory from the past but Mm -hmm. um i'm trying to say that in a long way but that you know we don't want to lose i think whatever comes from the inside out you know just being real like i don't know how to define it other than that like it's from the heart and from the soul like then it's it's got a voice for the next several generations right like I feel like we're losing our soul. You know, I don't know how to explain that, like that art of living and maybe this COVID has brought us back, like you said, brought us back home, brought us back to what's important. Like making dinner and hanging out with your friends and just being able to walk outside, just simple things, right? Like everyday life has become like, oh my God, can I actually do that? Like, anyway. That's
0: a lot of anxiety, sure.
1: But we need to bring it I up. feel
0: like up until now, s- social media has been, for dance, has been like a message in a bottle. It's like if you're going to post this photo or video, you're just tossing it out there. Like, who knows where it's going. Right. And with the new leap onto video chats and group chats, it's like, there, it's no longer a message in a bottle. It's like a cruise ship or something like we're all doing it together. It's really cool. It is it's, cool. Uh, yeah, it's really live and, um, I'm just open to it. Like, uh, I think it sounds, I'm not sure, you know, what's next, but I like to see, um, what people are doing last night, Susanna Collins and Gonzalo Andre did a virtual tango cafe. You know, I went and checked it out. There's a lot of people there online, you know, hanging out. And so, you know, we all got to watch them perform, make requests. Um, and and then another one's coming up and um, it's just Crystal Ray doing like a one man show. She's just going to read her, her latest show. And as people are, you know, sending me these invites, I'm like, yeah, I'm going. Yeah. And as a, a mom, I mean, this is great for, me to be able to see these artists and support them and, you know, not have to get a babysitter and, you know, leave the kids for an extra hour just to get there and park. Um, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot. I appreciate people opening up, um, like what you did too. just being willing to be so transparent and maybe vulnerable, you know, and just, it's so, it's so heroic. Um, cause I think it's asking a lot and for you to be so willing to share yourself that you're, you know, going to open up your, your home and let anybody in, um, that's a, that's a really, you know, really generous thing to do.
1: Definitely. That's funny. You should say it like that. Well, that's good to know. I mean, it's so funny cause I have a hard time. I always want to take part in dance. It's hard for me to sometimes just watch, like, I want to watch, and then I want to do it. (laughs) Right. It's not fun just to sit there and watch sometimes. I'm like, I want to do it.
0: (laughs) I think it's a real physiological response. I really do. I think when you see it, just like if you were to watch somebody, um, you know, on TV, like, get their finger cut off and you'd be like, ah, you know, and it would you for a second. Like, it's like that. Um, there's a real um, movement that happens to you. And so, yeah, I mean, I think if, if that's all it does is just get you to wanna, you know, turn off your phone and remember to turn on the music and then start enjoying your home and your space, great. Inspiration.
1: Yeah, definitely. Or, and it's nice to know that other people are interested. It might be, yeah. So maybe, maybe that's the thing is to open more up like what i was doing and do some here i'm going to show you something now you do it with me
0: <laughs> right
1: because and there's
0: so many people who are not who are not capable who are too old or they're disabled or they cannot afford to go get this kind of inspiration or um connection mm-hmm. yeah um so you know when you put it out there like it is accessible in a way that it never has been right i mean Miller Outdoor Theater is an incredible venue, but not everybody can afford the bus fare.
1: And it's hard to see sometimes, because if you yeah. sit far away, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they put, I wish they put like video cameras so people in the back could actually see the. the stage. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, they do that at big conventions, right? Those like uh, live, uh, kind of feedback cameras. Yeah, they're awesome
1: just so they can. Well, in big
0: rock concerts, sure.
1: Right. They have them at the stadiums and things and. Right. It would help so much so people could follow even for the plays and for the opera to be able to see the figures because you're so My, I mean, part of the fun of Miller, I think, is sitting outside and getting to be outside and be with your family and be in the outdoors and then being able to watch a play. You don't necessarily want to sit in the, you know have a picnic get to eat and drink i mean okay greece has outdoor movie theaters all the time people smoke and, oh, drink and yeah of course so but here there's no such place you could do that except for miller and so yeah it would be really nice if they could actually make it visible <laughs> but <laughs> i mean it's audible which is great like i guess that's you know i can hear the opera down by the river so i mean i could always sit there i don't have to see it but yeah. Right. If it's a thing, but yeah, that's an idea. I didn't even think about that, but I'm trying to think of a new some other kind of format, maybe inclusive of yeah, some of the literature that goes with the dance and presenting and inclusive of more people. Yeah, I'm just thinking out trying to think outside the box. And in fact, today I was actually reviewing some past pieces and going, "You know, I need to finish those. I have clips of me in studio and I was thinking, oh my God, I need to set that on a, I need to set that on people because it's really awesome. It was really good. I need to work this bit differently. You know how you work. <laughs> it's like I like this, I don't like that, that didn't work. That does work. But now I want like a big group of people. That's what's really difficult about this is sometimes finding the people. But now that they're home and they have time, <laughs> Maybe I can find a few of them and get them started. Yeah. The only, I, you know, I resisted teaching on the internet and I did it for a long time because it's, but all of these students, okay, caveat, were my students before. So I've seen them in class for long lengths of time. The only thing I kind of hesitate is if I've had a, I don't have a student, I haven't had a student previously and then I see them on Zoom and then it's, that's a challenge because I don't want them, I can't really see, I can kind of see what they're doing and I give them feedback as much as I can in real time. But it's, I just don't want people to make mistakes that then later they keep repeating, right? And then it becomes, oh, repeated, right? I,
0: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it all before. Um, I feel like at this time, like anything's better than nothing. Like it's right. all better than nothing. Right. And the idea that we're backtracking like, mm, I mean, that, we just have to hope for the best.
1: Yeah, not that they're backtracking. I just. Well, I mean, if they I, learn, they train yeah.
0: bad habits. Yeah, right, right, I guess. yeah, that's annoying. But, you know, let's just hope for the best. And um, we'll sort yeah. it out later.
1: All my students have done it. I'm not saying that they've done it, but I've, mm-hmm. I, I know them from before. So I'm like, you know, I already know. OK, don't do that. <laughs> like, right. I know what you want to do. Don't do that. And so I make sure, like, I'm watching them. That yeah. So that's that's great. But yeah, I'm.
0: There is so much back and forth in teaching. Yeah. Uh, I just made an instructional video of like what I would normally teach in my first hour, and it took 12 minutes. And it's like the other, the whole rest of the time is just you know waiting and watching and praising and little pointers here and there.
1: But the actual and, technique only took 12 minutes. It'll,
0: I mean, I'm only teaching for 12 minutes. Yeah. So when you really think about that connection that we have with our students, it's like, whoa. Wow. You know, that's the part when, yeah, when we're just going, going, going. Um, it's not the same. But with, with, I think with video chat, you know, there's some, there's definitely some. Yeah. Um, preparing a little something in advance for them to maybe practice and go through so that you can spend more time looking at them. Right. Giving, taking turns.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. That's the theory anyway. That's the. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, right. That's actually, that's that's the structure. I warm them up, you know, I demonstrate. Now I figured out how to use the sound. And then, right. How are you doing sound? Oh, with original sound? So that, right, so that it can be, uh, at least on Zoom, Thankfully, they have a way that you can you can modulate the background. So I, it was annoying because before you could only, with the way that the preset re, preset controls are, that you can it only it would suppress the background. So therefore, when you it wouldn't allow someone to play music and speak over it. But then with original sound, it's in the settings. It's in administrative settings. You can suppress that, and then you'd have to go in and disable it into the setting, and then disable all that. And then you get the option for every call. It doesn't automatically set everything, so it's great. Like, it's just one feature that you can use for when you teach, that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely, thank you. I mean, it's great. I know this is a departure. I'm, I, I'm loving what's coming out of Dance Houston. It's a departure from what you normally do, and I think it's really needed right now. It's great, like, do more. <laughs>
0: well let's have another brainstorming (laughs) meeting you know all of the new initiatives really came out of artist-led conversations and i love seeing what everybody wants to do and everybody just really rallying you know around ideas and jumping on board and carrying the torch and you know it's it's um it's fun to have a blank slate and white canvas you know um well no not it's not a white canvas it's a blank slate yeah it will not we will not leave it um we will go all over it so um, yeah i'm excited
1: yeah in the summer we need to do stuff because i i kind of think it's funny that everybody's clamoring to go outside i will say this because who goes outside in houston in the summer i mean it's like (laughs) i'm just kind of like good point right like yeah i mean we want to rush out there and we don't really spend time out there, and like we're not spending right. time anymore. So I can understand the fall, but I don't right. know. I don't know what's gonna happen by then. So I'm not even saying anything. But for right now, I'm happy staying in the air conditioning. I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, Starting
0: a little hot on those sunny days. 85 degrees tomorrow. Yep. Yeah.
1: And 12 hours oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just right. So, yeah. I mean, we can dance inside. It's awesome. Yeah, don't go outside. What, you can't do anything outside. We can't bike outside. We can't walk. I mean, it's so hot. Like, you no. Know, it would be nice, but I think our it's about a 70 degree weather has left us. So, but yeah, it was definitely cooler in most of the countries I deal with. It's so funny because the costuming is very layered and extensive. Like traditional dress and like trying—that is, I, I just can't perform in the summer here. Like in traditional dress outside at all, I would die because it was made for like mountainous regions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not happening.
0: You were doing good on that uh, December 15th performance, yeah. right? Every outside, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, not 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 so good in the summer. Not so good in the <laughs> summer summer. It, it would kill me if I showed you what. I'm thinking of buying for my next costume. Oh my God, I would die. Yeah.
0: Well, keep us posted about what you're going to do next and how can we connect with you online if we maybe want to be one of the students, one of Uh, your new students?
1: My website, divinedances.com, my new site. And divinedances at gmail.com. And send me an email and I will respond. yeah. I don't have a class list posted because there are I think there are listings in Dance Horse Houston, but it's again you if you forget if you forget what that is, you can always go there and it will list my email and have you shoot me an email. Because I have different classes started and you know, I'd like to place you I, I have to place people where their abilities go in. So yeah. But yeah. Definitely. Um, You know, with everything kind of the way it is, um, I haven't really scheduled anything in terms of performance. And actually, oh, I should do. I should talk about this. So, my next work was I had wanted to do something different with dance, and to do that, I needed a narrative. And because old dance, older dance, was connected to a narrative behind, like, like a myth that would, but not really a myth, but a narrative of divinity or of cultural representation that then would be the foundation for the dance. And so um, I proposed to to write and revise an anthology based on old Mesopotamian mythology of the goddess Ishtar. And her name is Inara. And um, I composed the whole world and I'm trying to finish that. That's my next project. So once that gets done, yeah, that's that's the one that's in the works. And then we'll have a public reading. And um, yeah, hopefully then we can maybe do some dance, like bring it to life, have some stuff. So yeah. And then in the meantime, I'm also doing the North African classes. So yeah, Great. yeah, thank you. DivineDances.com. All right. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. Thanks for listening.
0: Please subscribe and share our podcast and reach out to us on social media if you'd like to talk. To support Dance Talks, donate to Dance Houston. Talk to you on Monday.